You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to In the Open. This is Teresa. I am here with Lene as our guest. Hi, everybody. Today's topic is I am worried about my kid and the internet. And before we kind of dive into the topic, Lene, do you want to introduce to everyone who you are? Sure. I am Lene Higgins. I am a concerned mother <laughs> of a five-year-old who knows so much about the internet at this age. I'm also a former educator. I taught middle school and high school for seven years, and I've seen a lot of things, heard a lot of things from students about like the internet and, and some of the troubles, but sometimes like some of the good things as well that have happened as a result of using it. And currently, I am the senior uh, content writer and editor for MHA screening. Okay, so let's dive right in. I wrote you to talk about this topic, but when you first hear just I'm worried about the internet and my kids, what came to your brain? Uh, Yes, (laughs) this is a worry. Like since I found out I was having a kid, like I didn't want my kid to be one of those kids who was addicted to the screen. And then the pandemic happened and I had no control over that. I'm at home working, my husband's at home working. What do you do with this two, three-year-old? You have to give them something to do. So ultimately he discovered the internet and was on it. So we are concerned about things like video game communities and things that are outside of our control. But I think that we have a lot of good conversations with him and hopefully he'll be able to like follow our rules. Like we're scared with him going to school as well. So we'll see. The pandemic was really hard, but there's a lot of research too on the impact of the internet on our children's minds and brains. I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. And I know that the APA says that we're not supposed to show our children television or technology before two, which is nearly impossible. But I know that some of the research talks about, at least when I think about what I worry about, it's not just exposure to predators and seeing content that they don't want. That was a big one because even on YouTube, sometimes I would watch with my kid on what they were watching. And this was actually when I started to get most concerned is that if I was not supervising what my kid watched early or on, there were there were these videos that were just animations that seemed fine. It was like dancing Frozen and Spider-Man with balls. And it seemed normal and healthy and fine. And my kid obviously loved it. But every time we got off the computer, every time we got off the tablet or whatever it was that we had, my child would spin, have a full on tantrum, could not control his emotions, acted horrible. And I realized, you know, some of the stimuli that was happening in these videos was almost addictive. It was training my child's brain to be hypersensitive to receiving information all the time. Is that something you saw in kids who just had a lot more tech? Or do you see that in your own kids? Like, how does this play out for you in school and in your life? As a teacher, it was hard when um, you would say to students, all right, put your phone away. And they would still try to like, like sneak under their desk and uh, be on it. So 
it's definitely difficult, even with like, for example, state testing where you can't have phones at all. You would have thought that you told these kids that it was the end of the world. So taking their phones away and having to put it into the bin, it was very terrifying for them. And you notice that if you're doing something that's like a little bit slower, less engaging in the lesson, they will take out their phones. And there are times where I had people literally on the phone. I had people recording things in the classroom. And then I also worked in a school with one-on-one devices. So there were students who were playing games. They figured out how to get around the systems. They were on social media, like while you're teaching. And it's really hard to regulate, especially when you don't have parents who are on board as well. But there were some good things that came out of it too. When I think about it, there were students who found recordings of the books that we were reading, or they were like learning lessons uh, on their own, looking for outside research. And then when I think about my five-year-old, Something that has kind of been terrifying is he knows the word subscribe and having a lot of subscribers means a good thing, but he doesn't fully understand what that means. And we tried to talk to him about that. And we've learned that you have to almost like fill in the behavior or like that time with something else. If we say, all right, no more screen time, we have to give him something else to do. Otherwise he is going to be on you or he'll try to get his phone or his iPad back because he knows that like, oh, well, if I go in my room and I'm on it, then I know mommy and daddy won't bother me. This is my time. This is how I calm down. You're talking about social media and none of us have started to broach that issue about the way the internet influences your self-identity, the history of the like buttons in in Facebook and Instagram, and now subscribe and YouTube. Your your five-year-old, my eight-year-old, our five-year-old, like they haven't even started that process. But I know so many kids who have so much anxiety about that. So what, are, and you've taught kids, do you, do they talk about this, your students, when they come into the classroom about how many likes they got or who's popular on social media or cyberbullying? Yes. It's interesting when Instagram like launched the, uh, what is it? Close friends. That caused so much drama, not being in somebody's close friends or someone talking about you and you weren't in their close friends and someone told you what they said. Uh, screenshotting messages and posts about people. We had a situation where someone airdropped a meme of someone else and it spread like wildfire. There's just so many things. And as an educator, it's like, how do I deal with this? There were times where students would come into school heated, like ready to fight someone else because they had said something about them on social media. So you knew that that day you would spend a lot of time having conversations, mediation, calming them down or sending them to the person they felt comfortable talking to, like the counselor or the assistant principal to prevent something from happening in school. There was even a time where someone talked trash over a video game and that came into the school building. So there's a lot of putting out fires related to social media. And I I wish I could say like there was an easy solution, but there's just really not. Well, let's talk about solutions. Because what what did you do as as a teacher? I mean, if you think about how we set limits about technology or how we give guidance, because I think those are the only two options we have. 
set limits and give guidance. What did you find worked for your for your middle schoolers? Knowing appropriate times when you could use your phone versus when you couldn't. So, for example, if I were talking, giving a lecture, and there was a student who was on their phone, I would pause and say, if you were giving a presentation, how would you feel if I were on your phone? I couldn't grade you effectively because I'm distracted, and you can't listen effectively because you're distracted. And I made it more of a teachable thing. I also listen to them and I know like it sounds so simple always saying listening, but you have to listen to them when they come to you with a situation and take it seriously and help them figure out their needs. I feel like adults always think, oh, well, we grew up on the internet. We know what it's like, but I want to clearly say their internet is not our internet. It is completely different. And the things that they're dealing with right now as teenagers on Instagram, on Snapchat, TikTok, whatever else, are not things that we ever had to really think about. So when students came with issues and they wanted to express them to me, I would hear them out. I would ask them, what could I do to help? And as I said before, that might be sending them to someone who they feel more comfortable talking to or giving them a second to breathe. And then... I actually did allow cell phone use in my class, but it was very particular. As an English teacher, how do you get 38th graders to write an essay? You let them listen to music. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I told them that, you know, if I see anybody double tapping or if I see anybody swiping, then that option would go away. So everybody respected that because they knew it was a privilege to use it and not something that they... I told them that they they could do like it was just a privilege they it wasn't a rule that they got to use their phones so being there and just making it teachable so the things i really like about what you're saying is that certainly for myself when i feel anxious i almost want to set a rigid rule but that doesn't do much and it's hard to enforce rigid rules instead of teaching children how to think about their relationship with these issues And I kind of equate that to like when you're like, just don't do drugs, you know, like that message doesn't resonate with everyone. It also doesn't give me a whole lot of safety or security in thinking through how to have an honest discussion with my children about what they're going to be exposed to. And so I appreciate that you said the reaction is not to just set some rule and say, no, never at all. But I get that gut instinct. to want to control. So that's where as a parent or as a teacher, there's a dynamic, right? Between your child wanting something, you letting go of control, you allowing for learning to happen. And then something else around listening was interesting because I do agree with you. We don't know what it's like for them. But if I never know what it's like, if you don't listen and show that you're a safe person to keep bringing this stuff up to, that I will not know what kinds of situations they're dealing with. And so in that way, like listening acts as a protective factor to just always make sure you're in the know. Yes. And, and that's a way for us to have some control, right? And then I, I don't know about you, but sometimes what I have to check myself with is when my child starts to tell me <laughs> what's happening, I could tell I always have that urge to say something or interject sooner than I should be. And that impulse is so hard just to take a breath and be like, let me really evaluate what's really happening here 
and what I should say next. And I do really appreciate that you're just like, well, how can I help you? Because maybe that's the that's always a nice fallback. Yeah. Is that what you found is true with your students? Like always just being like, well, how can I help you? <laughs> yes. Yes. And they, they really humbled me. They would be like, Miss Higgins, that's how you as an adult would handle it. That's not how we would handle it. I'm like, let me be quiet and listen to how you would handle this situation. Yeah. And I think going back to your point about listening and you have to show some sort of interest in it as well. I mean, I, I admit sometimes as a parent, that is hard because my son will come to me and he will tell me about all these things. And I'm just like, yeah. what? Yeah. But <laughs> sitting down and watching a video with him. So I'm in the know, as you said, that helps to bring about that relationship of he's going to come to me. He's going to show me these things. And he knows that I care about what he cares about. Yeah. So you mentioned p- students would come in with people, the meme that went viral. Bullying for me is so hard. I have a, I know I have an emotionally reactive response to bullying. <laughs> I get so angry and so reactive. How did you, how did you negotiate that with your students? Like, how, and how are you, how does that play out to your also ability to deal with that with your kid when that happens? You know, like, are you better able <laughs> to handle this with your kid? Cause you have some experience. I'm praying that your answer is yes. I wish it could be yes. <laughs> no. I think one thing that I've seen, for example, the, the meme that went viral finding someone who can support you through that was very helpful for that student and for her it was the school social worker so she did all her classwork with the school social worker and eventually over time that stopped becoming like a thing but she had a place where she could go bringing in experts is also very helpful we had someone from um, the state of maryland come in and speak to the students about sexting and laws about that and cyberbullying and other things. And there are a lot of things that the students didn't know. And Mm -hmm. the person who came in approached it in a way where they felt comfortable to ask questions and not, don't do this. There were a lot of questions about, well, what if I'm 17 and my boyfriend is 18 and I send this picture and they told them like, you can't do that. That's against the law. They also told them that like stories about people who try to delete Instagram accounts that they created and they were able to find all of those posts and images within 32 minutes. So Mm. teaching students like there are consequences to this that go higher than just you getting detention or you getting in trouble with the school is something that was very helpful as well. Yeah. And also it not coming from me as a parent. I find that when the school does something, and I hate that the school ends up taking on so much responsibility to act as a third parent in a relationship, but you do. And that is a huge gift of schools, right? But when you when the school has an event or a teaching moment, when I can come behind as a parent and say, oh, that's really cool that you had that lesson today. Tell me what you learned. If it's awkward for me to broach a conversation that whether it's sex education, internet use, you know, whatever drug use, these things are sometimes hard conversations that we do and don't know how to talk about. I do find that it's helpful when the school does step in. I know not all parents feel that way. They feel 
scared about what the school is going to teach. Um, although I think most schools are required to share what that education looks like, at least for me as a parent, I do see it as an opportunity to come in on the front end and the back end and start having that conversation with my kid. You know, I don't because I don't know about you, but as a child, I did not even get that conversation with my parent. My parents did not care. They had no idea <laughs> what I was doing on the Internet. Yeah. I mean, maybe they didn't also like not care, but do did they Well, there wasn't a history of communicating with your kids and giving them guidance in that way, you know, and maybe they were also like bogged down. My parents were bogged down by multiple jobs and also did not have money and it was stressful, you know, so that meant that I was left to just take care of myself. And for those kids who are, I think if you're in that situation, I think I would say, you know, it's these conversations don't have to be huge. Right. So, okay. Any advice? You're like, I think we've given a bit of advice here about listening, about taking time, asking people what they need. It sounds like we also, it's important to educate ourselves a bit. (laughs) And it's weird because when I think about what we should do as parents to educate ourselves, yes, there are the articles that I can read about the impact of the internet on our children, but we can also guess. I find the biggest education actually comes from what you said. Know what your kids are doing. Yes. Know what your kids are experiencing. Listen to what they're saying, if only to hear out where they're at in their stage. Because I do think that this is my final thought. You know, it's like I, I've seen what happens when I let go and it's gone months and my child's engaged in behavior and I try to come in on the back end when the problems are really seeped in and it's so much harder to play catch up than to just know from the beginning. And so I feel like that's kind of my final thought. How about you? That and I also wanted to add, because I feel like those are two extremes for you to come in on the back end and just let it go and also set hard rules. Don't set hard rules. One thing about kids, teens, they will look for a loophole. I've seen it again and again. And the parents who said, oh, I'm just going to take away their phone. They're not allowed to have a phone. What do they do? They come into school and they use a friend's phone. Mm. So, or they'll get on their computer and they'll figure out a way to get around the filter and still do what they want to do. So just saying, no, don't do this does not work either. It's really, as we've been talking about meeting in the middle, going to the, the child and seeing what they're doing and having that open and honest conversation. And one more thing, talk to other parents and see mm. what they're doing as well, because they might offer support and resources that you don't have. Um, I learned about Family Link through my husband and a friend of ours. So when our son tried to download a game on his phone that he wasn't supposed to have, my husband was able to be like, nope, and have a conversation with him about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not even there yet. (laughs) I am so scared of the day when my child knows how to actually use a phone. (laughs) So, all right. I thank you so much, Lene, for being here. 
This is the beginning episode of a four-part series on digital environments and our mental health. So today we're talking to Lene about our worry in our children. In the next two episodes, we're going to speak to a young person themselves about the impact of social media and cyberbullying and setting limits, thinking about addiction and social media, and then finish out the series um, speaking with a clinical psychologist. And thank you, Lene, and everyone keep on fighting in the open. Bye. Bye.